This is, um, this is Land the Plane Day. This is the final part um, of this series. It's been a real quick three-part series, and we're going to move on to something else. Um, but the, the series has been all about um, something that Jesus said. He was very clear about. <clears throat> he was so clear that um, the four uh, writers of the Gospels included this, and two of them um, included it twice. And as much as we want to uh, to kind of ignore it or, or do the, you know, the theological gymnastics. Well, was, was that just for the, the original audience? Was that for us? Um, we said this is, this is something for those of us who are followers of Jesus. It just, it just feels like sometimes following Jesus, we have to choose to lose. Um, Mark's version said it like this, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for, for me and for this, the gospel will save it. And, and again, we've said one of the reasons we, we, we struggle with this, we wrestle with this, is because there's something inside of us that doesn't like to lose. We want to win. We want to win and, and overcome in every single area of our life. Just pick an, just pick an arena, job, family, uh, retirement, health, whatever it looks like, we don't want to lose. And so when it comes to this reality, when it comes to what Jesus calls to us, it, it feels like we're losing. But then we said that the other side of that is, and this isn't a faith thing, this is just a human thing, we all lose. <laughs> like at some point, in some way, shape, or form, we all lose. And eventually we all lose the battle to time. We, we will all face death. So Jesus just speaks into this reality. And, and because he's given us free will, he speaks to the reality and says, listen, I'm giving you a choice. You get to choose. Will you choose to lose something now in order to gain something greater later? Or will you just hold on? Just real tight. Just, just, just keep it all real tight. And in the end, you actually find out you lose something. You lose in the end. Now that, that's been the last couple of weeks. Today, um, we're going to move forward. And, and if you paid attention um, the last couple of weeks, um, you might have recognized that we've been moving in reverse. Okay. We looked at Mark 8, 35, but that first week we looked at what happened before. What happens or what Jesus says in Mark 8, 8 35. And then the, the last week we looked at what happened even before that. We looked at Jesus and Peter walking on water, which kind of makes sense why Peter was the one who claimed Jesus was the Messiah after he had just walked on water. You kind of put those two things together. Today, um, I want to, to, to go after this statement of what Jesus said in Mark 85. What, what did Jesus do next? How did, how did the disciples respond? How did the crowd respond? Because remember, when Jesus said this, there was a crowd there's a group of people there. So what did they do? How did they respond? What, what happens next? I think that's a relevant question to ask. So we're going to look at that day. Before we get to that, um, here's what I'd like you to do. Up until today, um, the, the, the application of this has been up to you. I've said, okay, ask the question, what will you choose to lose? And you, you apply it in whatever arena that you want to. Today, just like Jesus was up front, I want to be upfront with you. So whether you're here in the room or you're watching online with us right now or later this week or, or listening to the podcast, I'm just going to be upfront. At the end of the message, I'm going to ask some of you to choose to lose something very, very specific. 
okay? So you heard Nikki talk about it a little bit earlier. If you have the Church Center app, I want you to open that up. And on the home screen of the Church Center app, there is a picture that says, join a team. If you don't have that and you don't want to open that up, we have the 1990 version of an app called Paper. Um, There's some of these in the seat pocket in front of you. Today um, is join a team Sunday. And if you've been around Grace Point for a while, you know um, that there's about once a year that I get up here and I try to convince and encourage and twist your arm and coerce as many people as possible to get involved and join a ministry team. And I kind of snuck up on you a little bit because I kind of put it at the end of a series. So it feels like I snuck up on you. I did. But here's the deal. I've already locked the doors. We've already instructed the Kids Point team to give any kid who's picked up early a free puppy and a 24-pack of Mountain Dew, so you might as well just stay <laughs> till the end, all right? No, this is, this, is, this is Join a Team Sunday, and I don't know, we've been doing this for 10, 12 years, I don't actually know, but what I've never told you is where we got this from, because we didn't come up with this. The very first Join a Team Sunday, or Tuesday, or Friday, I don't really know what day it was was what happens next after Jesus said this. The, the, the very next thing Jesus does, after he draws a line in the sand and says, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross. Deny yourself and let's go. The very next thing after he says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the sake of the gospel will find it. The very next thing Jesus does is invites people to follow him, to go and to get into ministry. So hang on to the card, keep the app open and ready to go. We'll come back to the minute, but I just want to show you what happens next. We're actually going to look at what Luke records, how Luke records this. So if you have a Bible or a mobile device, Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be. But right after all that happens, this is what happens next. Luke tells us after this, and now you know what this is. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, And sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. So let's talk about this. First of all, again, right after Jesus draws a line of sand, he challenges this crowd to lose their life for him in the gospel. 72 people responded and decided to give it a try. Like before this, it was just the 12. Like we didn't, we don't really know any other real distinction of a specific number of people associated with Jesus. There was 12, but apparently 72 people stepped out of that crowd at Jesus's invitation and he appointed them to go ahead of him into the different towns and places he was about to go, which is really interesting to me because Jesus was about to go to those places. And if Jesus was about to go to those places, Why did he send them? Like if there was going to be some teaching or if there was going to be some ministry, if there's going to be some healing that was going to take place in these towns, wouldn't you send Jesus? Like, don't you send the trump card? (laughs) Don't you send the best person available into those places? But Jesus sends them before he got there. And I think that just gives us incredible insight into how Jesus Thanks. He had his disciples, he had the inner circle, the 12, and then he had the crowds, people, and we don't know for sure, but they followed him for whatever reason. Maybe, maybe these 72 were people that Jesus had healed. Maybe they were family members of, of people Jesus had healed. Maybe they were just people who were there because they got a free meal the day before. 
maybe Jesus had invested something in them, a teaching or um, a parable or a one-on-one conversation. Maybe they were people that the disciples had invested in. We don't really know. But after being poured into, after being invested in for a period of time, Jesus asked them, would you step out of the crowd? Would you, would you go ahead of me? I'm eventually going to get there. But would you go ahead of me? And, and, and he could have done it on his own, but Jesus sees the value of involving people in his ministry to other people. And, and it all starts right here. I think the same is, is, is true today. Jesus doesn't need any of us. Like, he doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. Father, Son, and Spirit, that's a powerhouse. They don't need us. But for some reason, over the last 2,000 years, that's how he's decided to work. Would you go ahead of me? Look what he says next. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So it's somewhat agricultural. It's somewhat economical. I'm, I'm going to produce a lot. I'm, I'm going to do a lot of things. I'm going to produce a huge harvest, but I need workers. I need people to go out into the harvest. There's, there's, there's not going to be a shortage of demand on what I'm going to do in this world. There's no shortage of needs, but there will be a shortage of workers to which the disciples, I'm just, I'm just thinking here, the disciples could have said, Lord, I know why the workers are few. Because you keep talking about denying yourself. You keep talking about dying. You keep talking about suffering. You keep talking about losing. Nobody wants to do that. That's why people aren't coming. That's why people aren't going out into the harvest field. But apparently 72 did. Here's his instructions. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And we know, like, Looking back, this wasn't just for the 12. It wasn't just for the 72. He wanted them to ask because he knew what the disciples hadn't realized yet. This wasn't just about going into a few towns on the way to Jerusalem. This was about launching this this biggest, most life-changing, multi-ethnic, multi-generational movement the world had ever seen. This is about launching his church. And those 72 were in on the ground floor. He goes, tell, go, go start planting seeds. Go pour into people what I've poured into you. Go invest in people what I've invested in you. Be a good steward of what I've placed in your hand. And then, um, like, this is, the, this is like the last statement before they leave. This is the last sentence of the pregame locker room speech from coach. <laughs> Look what he says. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Yeah. Like, isn't that, oh, oh, maybe there were 144 before this and it got down to 72 after he said this, right? It's like, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. It's actually going to be a little dangerous. But I want you to go. And 72 people did. And then we're going, we're going through this so fast, but skip down a few verses. Look what Luke tells us. What happened when they came back? Verse 17, the 72 returned with what? Joy. They returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They they went ahead of Jesus. They accepted the invitation to go. They poured into others what Jesus poured into them, even though it was really hard. And Luke tells us that brought them joy. They returned with joy. You said it would cost us, Lord. 
You said we'd have to lose. You said it'd be difficult. You said it might even be dangerous. But wow, look what we got to experience. They returned with joy. You know what's interesting? There's, there's no other time in, in the Gospels, in Jesus' teaching, his parables, and his miracles that says, after this, they returned with joy. The closest is when the women returned from the empty tomb, and it says they were filled with joy. <laughs> Nowhere else does it say, when Je- except for when Jesus invited people to go before him. That's when they returned with joy, because they couldn't believe what they got to be a part of. And Jesus sees this, again, it's just the crowd. Jesus sees this as a teachable moment, so he pulls the 12 aside, and he says something privately to them. Look at what he says. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see, what you've just witnessed, what you're a part of. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Do you know what this sounded like to, to the ears of a first century Jew? It sounded like this. You guys are seeing what King David wanted to see and never saw. You guys are seeing what Moses wanted to see but never saw. You guys are hearing what Elijah wanted to hear, but he never heard. King Solomon, wisest man who ever lived, but he never saw and never heard what you're getting to see or hear. You're experiencing something that the kings, the prophets of our faith never got to see. None of them did. And the disciples and the 72 were, and and like the 12, like the 72, you and I have the same opportunity because we're on the resurrection side of Jesus. His spirit is alive and well and at work in this world, and we've just been invited. You've been invited, if you're a follower of Jesus, to go ahead of him, just like the 72. And, and some of you, I know, I know what some of you, your, your immediate thought is, well, I can't really do that. I don't know how to do that. I'm not ready to do that. Tim, good message, but you're obviously not talking to me. Here's what you need to know. Those 72 people were ordinary people like you and me. Like, we, we don't even know their names. There was some special ability or, or connection they had in society, had some kind of unique calling. Luke would have given us their names, but we don't even have their names. They were ordinary people willing to go ahead of Jesus. And that's how he's been working ever since. It's how he's gotten his work done, his method he's used for the last 2,000 years. If, if you fast forward to the book of Acts, we see just before Jesus left, he commissioned a group of people to do just this. A few chapters later, we come across a guy named Paul who, who is affected by those people who Jesus commissioned. And then Paul goes on and he passes it on to another kid, really good, strong name, named Timothy, and he passed it on to Timothy, right? And, and, and we're told, 30 years after Jesus gave this, this commission to the 72, 30 years after that, Paul writes to Timothy and says, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So somebody invested in Paul. Paul invested in Timothy. And now Paul is, 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 is encouraging. He's, he's admonishing Timothy, do the same thing. Three generations there. People invested in Paul, Paul, Timothy, and the people who's going to invest. For, for some of you, like 
when I say that, a book doesn't come to mind. A sermon doesn't come to mind. A conference doesn't come to mind. You know what comes to mind? A person. For some of you, it was your mom or dad. For some of you, it was a grandparent. For some of you, it was a youth pastor or a youth leader. For some of you, it was a neighbor. For some of you, it was a friend. Maybe it was a coworker. For some of you, maybe it was a pastor. They just took what had been poured into them and they decided to pour it into you. That's how it's worked for generations. And, and from my seat, like I, I have a unique seat. I understand that. But here's what's amazing. This happens. This happens in our church like every single week. And yes, the pastors do that, but I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the non-professional Christians. The ones who don't get paid a dime, but week after week after week, they're going ahead of Jesus and they're pouring into other people what's been poured into them. They're investing in others what's been invested in them. And they don't have all the answers. Very few of them have any kind of theological training, but they've just decided. Jesus told us to pray for workers to be sent into the harvest, so maybe I should just be an answer to my own prayer. (laughs) And there's an amazing harvest out there, so I'm just going to go. And I'm going to start working the harvest. They, they, they view themselves as a worker. We, we have dozens. Some of you don't know this. We have dozens of teenagers and adults who every single week pour into hundreds of kids in our Kids Point environments. Some of you, you don't even know we have a basement in this building because you've never been down there. But do you know some of the most significant ministry Jesus does in this church happens 12 feet underneath you every week. (laughs) That all started with the 72. That started with the 72. Our, our, Our connection team, our connection team, make sure that this church isn't about a place, it's about people. They make sure that people are getting connected. They're making sure that people feel welcome. Just like when guests come to your home, you want to make sure that they they feel welcome. Our connection team helps us make sure other people feel welcome. It's not just about hosting and greeting and handing out bulletins and making sure people get to their seat. This is is about making sure, because I've said this before, I'll say it again. The sermon starts at the door. It doesn't start when I start talking. Because people could care less. They could care less what we believe about God if they don't feel connected and welcome to his people first. And the connection team, they're welcoming, they're hosting, they're helping us make connection, helping kids get to the right place, helping you connect with other people. That started with the 72. Worship team, our our tech team, they show up before most of you are even awake on Sunday morning. Some of, them, some of them, they get here before, before I do. And I thought about it this week because of the draft in, in Kansas City. I was thinking about this. Our, 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 our worship team and our tech team, they're like really good NFL referees. You never know they're there if they're doing their job well. And that's what they are. They, they, they do such a good job. You don't even really know they're there. And they, they put the negative the 20 pound filter on the camera for me every week. It's awesome. Awesome. But what, what have they done? They've decided to go ahead of Jesus and pour into other people what's been poured into them. That started 
It started with the 72. And we have a lot of people in a lot of different environments that do that over and over and over again because we are a volunteer-dependent church. We are dependent. We cannot do what we do without, without the volunteers. And, and they might not say it like this, but along the way, it does cost them something. It costs them time away from family. It costs them some sleep. It costs them some preparation because ministry costs something. Going ahead of Jesus costs something. But the other thing I would say is that most of them, not all of them, but most of them would say what they get out of it, what they gain from it, is far greater than what they lose. And they don't do it to gain something. But what they gain out of it, what they get from it, it's, it's not proportionate to what they feel like. I mean, the best emails I get are the emails from the non-professional Christians saying, hey, can I tell you how God is working in this area? How God is working in me, how, what he's done through me? Can I, just, can I just tell you a story? Right? Okay, Tim, just tell me what you want already. I'm going to get to that, but I just want to make sure you understand. People who choose to lose at Grace Point, the people who choose to volunteer are the people who've decided to get out of the crowd, to go ahead of Jesus, and to pour into others what's been poured into them. They're doing the same thing. Those 72 nameless individuals did. The same thing Paul did. The same thing Timothy did. And they're doing it the exact same way? No, because we don't live in the first century. But they're doing the same thing. They're doing the same thing the people who poured into them did. So here's my ask. Here's my ask. We've continued to grow as a church. In fact, over the last couple months, we've regained and we've actually surpassed where we were pre-COVID. But for where we're going, and, and we, don't, we don't specifically know where we're going, but we do know we need everybody who's going with us to be involved on a ministry team. We got everybody who's a part of Grace Point to be involved. This is an all skate, okay? So our goal, our goal is to get 62 new volunteers trained and ready to go by next fall. We're not asking you to get ready and trained by next Sunday. Next fall, you're not signing to start up then, you're signing up to have a conversation with a ministry leader, but we need 62 new volunteers. Let me say it another way. To continue doing what we're doing, and move the ball down the field. We need 10 less than Jesus sent out. We need 62 people to step out of the crowd and get involved. And here's how you know if you're a candidate. If this is your church, if Grace Point is where you want to invest in a spiritual family and you aren't currently serving, you're a candidate for one of those 62. You're who I'm talking to today. We need you to join a team. And if you think that's just a number I made up, if that's just a number, okay, he took 72 and he subtracted 10, so he didn't look like Jesus. If you think I just made it up, I didn't. Here's the specific breakdown of those 62. We need 10 new volunteers for Tandem, our ministry to junior high and high school students, okay? So if you like the idea of a lamb amongst wolves, this is where you need to sign up. <laughs> Okay, 
Just kidding. I love youth ministry. Janet and I spent six years doing it. Youth ministry is a huge, crucial piece of what we do as a church, but we need 10 new volunteers there. We need two new volunteers to jump in and help with our 18 to 30-ish age, our young adult ministry. We need four people to jump in and help out with some communication stuff. There's a lot of layers to that, but we need four people there. We need nine people who know how to shred a guitar or sing, join uh, the worship team. We need 12 new connection team members, four for each service. We need 23 new Kids Point volunteers to jump in and help invest in the next generation. And then we need two new Loop volunteers. Loop is the, the fifth to sixth grade ministry that sits on the front row and leaves whenever I get up here to talk, okay? Um, we, we need 62 people, okay? So remember the app, remember the card, okay? Pull it out. If you've been a part of the crowd and you feel like you've been invested in, if you feel like you've been poured into, I'm asking you to take a step and either fill out the form on the church center app or fill out the card. And again, we're asking you to give us a little information so we can give you some information. You're not starting next week. All you're committing to is having a conversation with one of our ministry leaders. You give us a little bit of information, we'll give you some. And I'd suggest you pick two areas. Pick your top two, your, your, your first option, your sec second option, fill out the card, fill out the form on the church center app. You're filling out the card, you can put it in the gray boxes as you leave. Um, if you're using the, the, the app in here or using it while you're watching online, that'll automatically populate and send it to us. But that's the step. That's the step that you can take today. This is all about growing in your relationship with Jesus. But here's, here's I want to be very, very, I want to be crystal clear on this. We need you. We need you. Specifically, we need 62 of you to come out of the crowd, to go before Jesus and get involved. Not because God needs you to get this done. He doesn't need any of us. We need you because there's somebody coming in the fall. There's somebody coming in a year. We know it. There's somebody coming in a couple years. And they need you to pour into them what you have in your cup. Just like you needed whoever poured into your cup to pour into your cup. We need you because they need you. That toddler needs you to pour into them as somebody poured into you. That teenager needs you to pour into them what's been poured into you. That single mom, that family, that 70-year-old couple, they need you to pour into them what's been poured into you. And you may not realize this yet, but you need this too. You do. You need this. You can continue to stay in the crowd. You can continue to be poured into and invested in, but you just need to know you'll only experience so much in the crowd. You'll only experience so much. Receiving teaching, learning more, being invested in, that is absolutely a part of growing in your relationship with Jesus. But there's a point when you can't receive anything else because you're too full. Your cup's full. And you need to pour some out. You need to choose to lose some of what's in your cup in order for God to pour more into you, in order for him to fill you up. This is the reason that you need to do this. And you're going to choose to lose a little bit of time, a little bit of energy, a little bit of preparation, a little bit of family time, whatever it is. You'll feel like you're losing in the here and now. But I've experienced this. 
most of the people sitting around you have experienced this. I think you'll experience too. It's just the way God has worked since the very beginning. Pour some out of what's in your cup so he can pour back into you. That's what I want for you. It's not what I want from you. It's what I want for you. And the other side of this, in order for us to win as a church, and you know how I feel about winning, in order for us to win as a church, we need 62 of you to choose to lose. And this is your ticket to choosing to lose. This is, I think it's a part, and I, I don't have any hard evidence for this. I think it's a part of what Jesus was saying in Mark 8, 35. I think this is a part of losing your life for the sake of Jesus and the gospel. It's losing a little bit of what you have. It's not, it's holding on tight to it. But I think what you'll find is you actually save your life in a way you never saw coming. And I can't tell you what that looks like. I can't tell you what will happen. I just know that's how he works. I want for you what Jesus wanted for the 72. I want you to experience the joy of seeing and knowing and experiencing Jesus working through you. And, and, and there's just no other way to experience that. So take a step, fill out the card, have a conversation with a ministry leader and just see, see what happens. See where he takes you, see where it goes. The other thing, I say this every single year that I talk about this, I hope those of you who are already on a team, and I know most of you already are, I hope what you hear today is that every single week you show up, every little bit of time that you invest, you're going ahead of Jesus. You're pouring into other people. You're pouring into kids and teenagers and adults. It, it, well, I'm, just on, I'm just serving this week. No, you're not. <laughs> you're going ahead of Jesus. He's going to show up. And you're pouring in. You're investing. You're doing the things those 72 nameless individuals did. And in 60 years, 100 years, 200 years, nobody's going to remember my name. Nobody's going to remember your name. But you will have joy. You will experience joy. And I always, always, always want to say, thank you. Thank you for doing that. And I want to point you to the fact that you're doing exactly what Jesus has called you to do. So thank you. So are you ready to go as lambs among wolves. Here's the benediction. Ready? Set. Go. See ya. <laughs>